The following is brought to you by Will Harris, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for January 14th, 2022. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you. We have, uh, well, some some over-the-horizon stuff to look at. Well, one story that's over the horizon, the other that's giving a little bit of context is something that happened in the past. And then... Maybe a good little explainer. This is a good one of them Friday explainers. Maybe maybe I just like to just keep my technology stories on Friday. All right, let's go through what the stories are. Number one, a report from Roll Call uh, uh, that the Democrats and Joe Biden are preparing for another COVID money push. Will it be a separate bill? Will it be part of the government funding that is due to be paid in the beginning of February, which would certainly complicate the passage of that, will be answered. But also, we're going to take a look at what is likely to be the shape of that debate, considering things have changed since the last time that the federal government looked to inject money into the economy based on COVID. And then what we're looking into the past on, and that is the big fight between the mayor of Chicago and their local teachers union. A deal has been struck, but as always, all politics are local. And thanks to the diligent work of our uh, editor here on the Friday edition of the PX3 show, Brett and his wife, who uh, has some expertise in this field. We've got some backstory that makes all of it make a lot more sense. And finally, we are going to speak to Darren Kitchen. There was a story that caught my eye over the holiday season that I didn't cover here, but I found was interesting based on what I know about technology. And it was the fact that Kamala Harris refuses to use Bluetooth anything. She doesn't use AirPods. She doesn't use Bluetooth headphones. She only uses wired headphones. And the reason why is because she believes they are hackable. So who better to discuss about this and any other technical failing than the man who founded Hack5, Darren Kitchen. Talk to him. All that. But Here is the headline via roll call. The Biden administration is preparing to ask Congress for substantial funding to address the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic domestically and abroad. This according to House Majority Leader uh, Steny Hoyer. Well, I mean, he's not the majority. No, yeah, he is the majority leader. Nancy Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. He's the majority leader. 
The Maryland Democrat told reporters Tuesday during a pen and pad briefing that he expects the White House to ask lawmakers to appropriate funding for testing vaccines and to make sure that schools have resources to keep themselves safe. There is a question on if this will be another standalone bill or if they will attempt to roll it into a government funding bill. This would almost assuredly put another roadblock into negotiations, considering Republicans believes there is already a ton of money from previous COVID relief bills that is unspent. Okay, so before we go any further, let's understand what they are saying now and what they're not saying now. So it looks like this would be a combination of further money for school modernizations, further money for vaccine purchasing and distribution. And then the abroad part is interesting because I guess there would also be a foreign policy component here where we would be wanting to send money overseas under the guise of COVID relief. Now, how is that just another way that we can give money to countries? You know, we can kind of play, uh, especially as we are in a, a geopolitical uh, game of who can have the most friends with China and and Russia. Like, is this just another way that we can put a few 20s in, in another country's pocket? Maybe. But that is that is the idea. Now, here's the opposition. GOP lawmakers point to unspent funds. Remaining in agency coffers from prior rounds of uh, pandemic relief in a letter to Education Secretary Miguel Cardona dated Monday, Republican Senators Roy Blunt of Missouri and Richard Burr of North Carolina asked for a breakdown of what is still available, citing data showing that, showing that as of December 30th, 2021, nearly 72% of the $266 billion in pandemic-related education appropriations hasn't yet been spent. In uh, uh, the letter, it writes, schools have the funding necessary to address the impacts of COVID-19 and keep students in school, the senators wrote. Now, we're going to get to some of the the, the issues with uh, COVID and education in a bit when we talk about Chicago. But I do believe, and this is mostly from my, my conversations with Jen Briney, who actually reads these bills, that even at the point that we were doing our second and third COVID relief bill, there was still a ton of money that was left from the previous bills. In fact, the largest issue that seemed to be the case was the fact that there were bills that had money allocated to it, but a, a certain time in which it could be spent, time that then elapsed. So without it being spent, it was earmarked and yet not appropriated. So it just kind of sits there and God knows how much government money gets uh, set aside, taken from the, 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 the taxpayers and, and just kind of, you know, is, is, is left at, at the train station. But there does seem to be a lot of COVID money still here, at least by available reporting, that does seem to be the case. And then there is the other side of this. The fact that the COVID relief money has always had some component of direct payment, either to businesses through the Paycheck Protection Program or right to you and me, the citizens of America, by way of stimmy checks. Will we have another element of that sweetener here? 
what will any kind of injection into cash into the economy do to our recovering, fledgling economic situation? Well, the injection of federal money in the economy could and almost certainly will bring about a much different debate than the last time we talked about COVID relief in January of 21, where the eventual reconciliation bill was being discussed in a world pre-vaccine. Also, Democrats did want their own version of the president gives you money routine. That CARES Act, by the way, is $1.9 trillion. But again, Inflation is a serious issue now, and over the last week, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell specifically said that his organization would be pumping the brakes on interest rates. Another federal cash dump could possibly move the needle in the wrong direction, leading to further corrections by the Fed. And that's likely the kind of argument that we're going to see from the GOP, the GOP for which the Democrats will either need to cajole 10 of which to vote for it if it's a government funding bill or hope to do this as a reconciliation bill and hope that inflation conscious Democrats like Joe Manchin don't balk at it too. Now, here's something that we we, we, we covered a little bit in yesterday's uh, yesterday's Patreon episode, but there is a bleak poll out for Biden this week. Quinnipiac. It is the lowest that we have ever seen Joe Biden's presidency. It gave him an all-time stinker of a 33% approval rating. The losses mostly come from independents who are abandoning him in droves, according to Quinnipiac, which, by the way, let me point out that this poll is an outlier. But what's most discouraging, I think, for Biden are that the issues that he's put the most time in don't seem to be bearing fruit. He has a 34% approval rating on the economy. And in response to coronavirus, it's 39. He's in the 30s. The 40s is bad. The 30s is something needs to change immediately territory. And what's more, considering the fact that he was supposed to be the guy who turned down the temperature, Americans feel as much, if not more than ever, that our internal divisions are a threat to our country and democracy itself. Let me just say this. The longer that a president hangs out in the low 30s, the more very, very, very dark questions start getting asked. Because the longer you hang out in the the low 30s, the more that you are assured that you are officially out of future power. You are a pariah. You are a drag on your party. If that's the case, then the question becomes, why don't you resign right now? Again, this Quinnipiac poll is an outlier, so we are not into that territory yet. But the fact that we're even talking about it should be enough of a shot in the arm for Biden. That being said, could another round of direct payments, no matter what the economic viability of them are or the possible spurring to inflation, would those cheer up a very grumpy America? You got to figure that's on the brain. Of the Biden team.
So we mentioned this on the podcast a few times, and I can't remember what was on Patreon and what was in the main feed, but there was a standoff in Chicago between the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, and the teachers union. This came after the Omicron case spike. The teachers union voted to uh, do remote teaching. The city then locked the teachers out of the service that they use for remote teaching. It was an impasse that reached to national coverage. But our intrepid editor to this program, specifically the, the, the Friday edition, who has just moved to Austin from Chicago, sent along some backstory. So we're going to read it here for you. Lori Lightfoot, in 2019, was a political outsider with no prior elected experience. She beats Tony Preckwinkle, the Cook County board president and former teacher, in a runoff. It was ugly. A brutal election with lots of sniping. Peckwinkle lost and the Chicago Teachers Union became destined to oppose Lightfoot from the moment she got in. Now, let me pause here and remind everybody that this is Chicago. They play politics in a very, very brutal way and have since the concept of judging cities by their political attitudes was invented. Okay. This is this is not anything new. The fact that these factions had effectively become enemies before this lady even became mayor is not strange. Later that year, the teachers union had its longest strike in three decades. Lightwood disagreed with the unions on nearly everything. Prep time, raises, etc. The biggest sticking point is that lots of schools don't have a nurse on the grounds. And the teachers union spends a lot of time memeing Lightfoot on Twitter. This is this is something that like they are again, they're not content to just be at odds with her. They are actively trying to lower the stature of the mayor of Chicago. God, what a title in town. So January 2021, Lightfoot sends the teachers back to school. This, of course, makes the teachers' union angry. Lightfoot allegedly declines masks and tests from the Illinois Governor Pritzker, further pissing off the CTU. Also worth noting that Lightfoot and Pritzker have been at odds this entire pandemic, with him being more inclined to close things than she was. Chicago Public Schools also previously signed with a different vendor, Thermo Fisher, for tests, which caused some delays. Now, here's where things get wacky in our recent radar. Two weeks ago, Chicago Public Schools sends test kits home, but doesn't prepare for the return of the kits. They overflow every FedEx box in the city, spilling out of them, and eventually leads to 25,000 tests being compromised. The teachers union calls out that the drop-off locations are divided, very few of them on the predominantly black south side. Reading between the lines, the idea is that under the leadership of Lori Lightfoot, the Chicago public school system underserves black students for reasons that uh, um, you know should become clear very, very soon. If you are unfamiliar with the chromatic makeup of our main players here, Lori Lightfoot is a black woman. So here's what happens last week. 
The critics want the feds to investigate where COVID relief went. Again, let's tie it back to the first story. The U.S. Treasury issues that the final ruling on federal relief is not being used to pay off debt. Critics say that Lightfoot did just that. The, the teachers union wants remote learning and votes for it. The city locks them out of the computers, turns the key fobs off to the buildings. But the big sticking point is that the union wants to opt out of testing. Lightfoot wants to opt in. So there are no real clean lines here. Like, I think that beyond the idea of unions versus the boss, that that there is a, a, a real, uh, you know, like, OK, well, if I'm for, quote unquote, the science or if I'm for kids in schools that you're going to vote for either one of these sides, there seems to be a lot to either uh, dislike or dismiss in, in pretty much every version of this argument. That being said, there is indeed a deal done this week. There will be more tests. If 30% of school staff are absent due to COVID, or if 40% of students are in isolation or quarantine, the building, aka the school, will close. Districts will buy more masks. The teachers claim that they've had too few of those. Pandemic-related unpaid leave for teachers so they don't lose their job. And incentive for substitutes. There are right now no substitutes to be found in Chicago public schools. Here is what the you know, sides missed out on. Any kind of agreement on district-wide closing metrics and not punishing teachers for not reporting to schools. Now, has this solved anything? In reality, probably not. In fact, Brett writes here at the end of this little uh, prep sheet he gave me that based on his experience and following this because his wife is close to the situation, we probably only just survived the Omicron variant. If indeed there is another spike, it will likely result in another strike, which will likely do either a positive or negative uh, uh, work for Lori Lightfoot's reputation. A reminder that this is a controversial issue. While there is obviously a lot of sympathy, especially within the Democratic Party, and Chicago is a Democratic city, toward teachers and teachers' unions, parents are fed up. They want these kids in school. So Lori Lightfoot's position as a everybody needs to get in school is something that's positive. As for the teachers' union, they don't have somebody that they want in City Hall. And like many unions in union strong towns, they are not going to be shy about expressing their opinion. So there we go. Chicago, baby. Folks, if you want to get bonus, bonus material from the Politics, Politics, Politics program. Only one place where you need to go. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Bonus podcast on Monday. Bonus podcast on Thursday. So you're at the end of the week. It's Friday. Uh, I'm sure you're uh, planning up your weekend. A long weekend for some folks, right, with MLK Day on the other side of it. Rumor is that uh, uh, the uh, Senate is going to work toward the weekend so they can fail faster on carving out the filibuster for voting rights. 
Maybe you're listening to this now. But really, for but a few dollars more, you could get double the amount of episodes. Damn, son. That would be amazing. On Monday, we give you the Rosetta Stone of what the next political week is going to be based on the bleeding of the guests on the Sunday shows. And look, on the last Sunday, Sunday, Sunday edition, it was one question to Nancy Pelosi about increased COVID relief that made me predict exactly the episode that we are having right now. Be ahead of the game, get that Monday episode. But then also, based on our recording schedule, the late edition on Thursday is the latest news of the week that we cover. Uh, guys, it's just that simple. Head on over there right now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Our guest today is a veteran, a multi-year veteran, maybe over a decade, definitely over a decade, of not only the InfoSec space, but also educating people all over the world about how the world of information security works. He is the man who has brought us Hack5.org, ladies and gentlemen, Darren Kitchen. Welcome to the show, Darren. Hey, Justin. It's good to see you. I'm calling in from Austin, Texas. Yeah, man. We're in the same city now. Uh, all right. So uh, uh, Kamala Harris makes makes big waves because she says she doesn't use Bluetooth headphones. Uh, and the reason why is because they're hackable. And so this, at least when it happened over the holidays, and granted, there was much less to talk about during the holidays, but news slows down, but got her, at least by my uh, uh, estimation in my little bubble, some some uh, applause. Oh, mm -hmm. look, like Bluetooth is hackable. Uh, let's cite all these things where there are indeed Bluetooth hacks and, and it's better to wear wired headphones. I think this also gets into some cultural stuff of people who just don't like Bluetooth headphones in general, but putting that aside, I, I, I brought you on so I could ask you this question. Yes. Are Bluetooth air buds hackable? Uh, I mean, if I just say yes, then that would kind of just like end the the talk right now, right? So I can just say yes, drop the mic, and then that was sure, a short segment. It. And that's or do and you want to go more it. into it? Because no, like but this is the problem with you shifty hacker types is that you would you would like to just keep these things very simple. Oh yeah, they're hackable, or I don't know, maybe they're not. You should keep using them either way. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, as a general rule, anything that provides you with convenience in the realm of like computers is most likely at the cost of security. Yes. And absolutely, it is the case with Bluetooth. Uh, there are hundreds of CVEs, which is like hacker word for like big library of hacks available with regards to uh, Bluetooth. And there's a ton of tools out there that hackers can use, Blue Hydra and Blues and all these others that can you know do pretty cool Bluetooth hacks. Um, so. Are blue is Bluetooth in general hackable? Yeah, in the same way that Wi-Fi is. 
Uh, it's- so wait, hold on. Before before we get into the broader thing, let me ask mm-hmm. you this: If you were brought in to the White House, and and let's imagine a president that doesn't exist right now, but but they're like, look, uh, uh, President uh, 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 Dave Doug. Yeah, President Doug Dave uh, uh, is is really, really, really into his AirPods. Like he thinks mm. that they're lucky. Really wants to use them. He's just obsessed with these AirPods. We have we've brought you in because we want to make them as safe and secure as possible. Is there something from a perspective if you have like the American government does, effectively unlimited money and probably even a, a, a phone call to every manufacturer on the planet to say, "Hey, make me a special phone or a special version of this that would be more resistant to hacking." Uh, 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 is is there a way to do it? What would you recommend? So actually, funnily enough, it would be less uh, resistant to hacking if you did something custom. What makes you know all of the protocols that are kind of the underlying stuff that makes our technology work, the Bluetooth, the Wi-Fi, the Ethernet, all the jazz that we don't think about every day, that's the plumbing, gets better over time because it's popular and it's mass market. And so then there's enough security researchers banging on it to find the holes. If it's a custom solution, mm. then it's uh, got less likelihood that somebody's going to raise awareness and then it's going to get fixed. Um, so, so yeah, so, I would so, just so be, I'd be want, so, so Bluetooth, despite the fact that it is hackable, mm-hmm. it has been around long enough that some of the super easy, super gaping uh, security flaws in it, because like any technology will eventually get better and better and better. And so therefore the exploits have to get more specific and, and, and more uh, involved. Totally. Uh, So what happens is just generally speaking, the kind of plumbing that I was talking about gets better over time. So like, you know, these days we are using, you know, Wi-Fi uh, uh, version, uh, I guess I actually now we, we version number it, version six, right? Or like, you know, AC, there, there's letters, A, B, G, N, A, C, all these, you know, things associated with it. And with each iterative version, the technology gets better. But then if there's backwards compatibility with older devices, there can still be, you know, holes left unplugged. And Bluetooth has been with us for a long time. So, you know, if uh, the, you know, uh, there's there's still ways to mitigate what we call an attack surface, but there is an attack surface regardless. So anytime you're adding uh, wireless to the device, you're opening up a, a can of worms and, you know, Kamala is just doing the smart thing of just mitigating that uh, vulnerability uh, or that, you know, attack surface by just sure. closing down the vector. There's no, you know, turn off Bluetooth and now no worries about Bluetooth getting hacked. Easy peasy. And as you said, unless she is operating a cell phone that doesn't have a cellular antenna or does not connect to Wi-Fi, then there are still attack surface left there. And this is what I really, really wanted to get to. Just the idea that everything is hackable. Every yeah. single thing. If it connects, it is hackable. You, you know, and, and here's the thing. You really got to. Uh, yes, you're absolutely right. The The more. Uh, surfaces there are, the more opportunities there are for it to get hacked. So you're right. You lock down the the Bluetooth and then it's like, oh, the Wi-Fi, which I can go on ad nauseum about how uh, easy that is to hack. Uh, so you, then you turn off the Wi-Fi and you're right. It's still a cell uh, uh, phone at the end of the day. And I can you know show you the tools that you can use to spoof cell networks and, and do hacks. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you, know, you, you take that on a long enough timeline, you end up with an abacus. 
but I think that it's, <laughs> it's, it's really about like understanding, like what is your, you know, what, where your security posture lies based is very much based on like who you are and where you are. So if you're a high value target and you're in a lot of, you know, uh, uh, areas where you don't control the the situation the wireless landscape as it were yeah then yeah you should be you know, using every available uh mechanism to to just be prudent because there are you know uh, you know not even big gaping hacks that uh, allow somebody to read your text messages or listen into your phone calls or things of that nature with bluetooth but even just the simple stuff of like tracking you know do you want somebody to have the ability to you know track your whereabouts at all time even if you do have the secret service following you around everywhere yeah, and I guess like the 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 locations of Kamala Harris are not particularly a a secret at least 90% of the time. I'm sure that there are 10% where where there's some obfuscation and and uh, uh people can can spear it away to wherever they need to be. But from your perspective, what is the biggest liability that let's say a politician would 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 have like technologically on them is is it the cell phone or or, or is it is it something else is it like a, a laptop or even something dumber i think probably the cell phone considering the personal nature of it i, I think that it's kind of become this device that ends up getting some of the most sensitive data considering the kinds of conversations that we have on it. And um, we value it with, you know, different, it's got a different value than the utilitarian like laptop that's like, yeah, sure. There's going to be stuff there, but not nearly yeah. as, as, as juicy or confidential as the kind of personal stuff that you find on a phone. And typically phones, wirelessly speaking, at least have, like you said, three different, you know, protocols to come in over. You've got your Bluetooth, you've got your Wi-Fi, and then, you know, you've got the cell stuff. And I can speak to all three of those being hackable. So by limiting at least one of those, and, you know, we haven't even heard whether or not she just, you know, blanket turns Wi-Fi off, which would probably be a good idea. Um, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, apparently she, she the, the the reporting I saw on it was that that this was something that she had heard in the Bay Area, like which obviously is very you know a certainly a high concentration of uh, of infosec expertise uh, with a lot of these major very very internet savvy companies that that, that spring out out of Silicon Valley, but uh, I, I would I wouldn't be shocked if you just had you know one one device for you know little dumb stuff and then another I'm, I'm sure that they have one phone that is like almost entirely locked down and and only can connect to like you know secure lines or something like that one would hope and i've i've heard stuff like that from people in government um or at least with regards to networks prioritizing traffic of you know phones for high value folks um in in certain contexts like you know if a network is saturated and a congress creditor needs to make a call suddenly you know their their phone will go through while everybody else's will get a busy signal or whatever have you um yeah it look She's worked in government. She knows you know, <laughs> you, like you, if you've ever if you're listening and you you work in government you, and you know what a skiff is, you know what you can and can't bring into it. There's secure places where you got to check your phone at the door, you know, so yeah. uh, uh, or you can't have, you know, devices with certain, uh, uh, you know, things like cameras and um you know, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, things of that nature. So it, this is not all too uncommon. It's just that it gets the 
cultural buzz because it's like, well, why yes. wouldn't you do the upgrade? And of course, it like preys into this wonderful war we have between the wired and the unwired. Um, and hey, you know what? If this is how we get a little bit of cybersecurity uh, awareness, fantastic. Bring it. <laughs> Let me talk to you about tech paranoia, or at least hacking hacking paranoia, because I do think that this kind of tapped into a few different things. Number one, like I said, just a general cultural battle of whether or not wireless earbuds are good. So here, hold on. Let, let, let's take a stop here. Darren, your opinion, wireless earbuds, a, a good thing or not? And, and if you do like them, are you signing off on the inevitability of all uh, headphone jacks going away? I, 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 my last three phone purchases were based on there being a headphone jack until finally the galaxy Z fold two kind of made me, you know, all right, fine. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay the price because I like the bigger screen, but uh, I did, you know, I miss that uh, graceful degradation that a pair of wired noise canceling headphones will do when they run out of battery to noise cancel, they just become headphones. So, uh, you know, I wish that my, uh, AirPods here on my desk had like a cord that I could plug them into so that when their batteries died, they became headphones. Headphones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I I'm, I'm, but there's also a time and a place, right? There's a time and a place for it. Now, if I'm going to DEF CON, I'm turning off my Wi-Fi. I'm turning off my Bluetooth. I'm not bringing my Fitbit. I'm not bringing, no. you know, the same AirPods that I use uh, at home and around town uh, because all of those have unique signatures that hackers can use to identify people and track you and uh, and other such hacks. So, and, and for those for those who are not aware, DefCon is an annual, massive, if not the gathering of uh, infosec people, hackers, and anybody who's generally interested in that scene. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, I remember talking to you the last time that we went and, uh, and you were just like, yeah, my phone's running a little slow. I think I'm going to have to throw it in the toilet. <laughs> like, yeah. just because you just never know when it comes to Def God about like, like, all right, if it's, if it's, if it's running just even like a touch slow, like this could be like nation state level <laughs> Darren right now to the zoom is showing a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, 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 eight spread of phones as if he is holding out a, a pick a card, any card. Wait, are these all phones that that you felt at some point were like, eh, like I, I can't take the chance. You know, when I go to DEF CON, I bring a new one and I, I never oh, bring it again and, and it doesn't turn on again. Uh, and that's just how it goes. You know, there's certain things you can do to mitigate your, again, going back to the attack surface thing. You can turn off Bluetooth. You can turn off Wi-Fi. You can set your phone so that it won't downgrade to 2G and 3G networks. Uh, and and those are a little lower hanging fruit to hack, but, uh, but yeah, it's one of those places where you treat it as a hostile environment. And if you're the vice president, you should probably assume you're a high value target and anywhere that isn't, you know, within the, you know, I would hope the safety, uh, of the Capitol would be, um, would be a hostile environment potentially. So why not just limit your attack surface? Uh, yes. Every day is DEF CON. So, so for, for Kamala, she should get a new phone every day. It, it should yeah, be I mean, just <laughs> unwrap it every day, just in case you get hacked. Yeah, uh, you just uh, wrap well, it in tinfoil and make a hat out of it too. It'll be great. 
Now, whether or not you want to admit it, you at DEF CON is a higher value target. You are a known person at that conference. Uh, uh, it, it is certainly something. The guy who invented the company with hack in the name, it certainly provides a, a, a very enticing scalp if somebody wanted to try to hack you or, or own some element of, of, of uh, uh, the technology that you have on you. Certainly the same would be said about Kamala Harris. But for anybody listening, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a PSA. Totally. How much paranoia should the average person have in in, in stuff like this? Practically none these days. Practically none. Uh, Why is that? Well, because, you you know, no offense, but we're all probably not very interesting, um, at least in terms of, you know, hacking. And uh, the kinds of things that we're using they've gotten so much better over the years uh that base level the base level plumbing like you mentioned the base level plumbing is continuously getting better and better now if you're rocking you know an iphone 3gs maybe it's time to upgrade you know if you haven't if you've got a device so old that it's not getting security patches anymore all right. All right. But for, you know, your modern podcast listener that may be listening to this on their AirPods, they can probably, you know, feel pretty safe knowing that it's using the latest protocol of Bluetooth and, um, you know, the mo- more modern, you know, iOS and Android operating systems do a lot to protect you from wireless attacks. And it's just it gets better because we go and break these things. Uh, if if you really want to take it to the extreme, cool, get yourself a dongle or get yourself a phone with a headphone jack. But for the vast majority of us, we're just simply not interesting enough. We're not going to the kinds of places where we would be interesting. And the biggest threat usually remains you making a big dumb mistake yourself, right? Like if if we are to think of hackers like vampires, they generally need to be invited into the house to really do the kind of damage that that, that they need to do. So if you're going to a shady Wi-Fi, if you're clicking on a dumb link in your email or something, that, that seems to be the larger, more realistic threat, right? Right. I mean, the thing is the threats that are out there are known that I mentioned that CVE database at the top. That's you know this publicly known uh, uh, library where hackers say like, okay, hey, I found something, and they put it in the archive so everybody can know, and then the vendor can go and patch it. And that's exactly what happens. Things that aren't in that are what we call zero days. They're the unknown exploits, and those those get traded for a lot of money and used against high value targets. Nobody's going to you know spend one. Uh, on us boring folk, suffice so, it to right, say. So, so, so when you say zero day, zero day meaning that somebody's able to find something that as of yet is just unknown to either the, the manufacturer or the service? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, you know, you're going to, you should have confidence that your modern equipment with the latest security patches is as good as it's going to get with the understanding that of course new things are found every day and when those things are disclosed the day it's disclosed is day one of everybody knowing so that they can go and patch it and make it better um and unless you are really that interesting of a target most likely nobody is spending their zero day on you because to use it is to put it in the wild and to put it in the wild means everybody else has an opportunity to figure out how it works and these again are of very high value okay 
So if you are, if you are, you know, uh, uh, let's say you find a zero day. And so a zero day again would be something that you're, you figure out a way on iOS that you can download somebody's entire, uh, uh, address book by, you know, walking by them with some sort of device or something like that. Like, yeah. would that be a good, just a fantasy example of, of, of something like this? Yeah. I've got a friend right now that's sitting on a zero day, literally for Bluetooth It does require physical access to the device. I can't mention the vendors, but uh, suffice it to say, once this is disclosed, it is most likely going to get fixed in short order. And while they're sitting on this, they can exploit it to their heart's content without anybody else, you know, patching it. But the more that they exploit it, the more that uh, forensics folks have a chance to see how it was utilized and how to protect against it. And then it's no longer a zero day. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the idea with zero days is that you, if, if you are, you are using them for whatever means the good hearted japes or, or nefarious business, you can use them yourself, hoping that people don't notice, wow, that was weird. That was a weird anomaly. Uh, uh, and then is I, I assume that there's, there's a market for this. Like, do you, do you sell it to the manufacturer? Like, like how, how does this work? I mean, the manufacturer will give you uh, like a, a lollipop and a thank you, um, okay. or, you or, 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 you know, you, you can go to many marketplaces where people will pay top dollar because these are the kinds of things that, uh, oh, get used for all sorts of shady reasons, which is why uh, the vice president is doing the right thing and at least <laughs> limiting the, the attack vectors available to those with zero days, including my friend that's sitting on one for Bluetooth. So when, all right, so these things are out there, they, they get purchased, I guess. So, so the manufacturers are, are, are just going to say, oh, thanks kid. Pat somebody on the head and then patch the thing that they, that they made. But then I'm guessing that, you know, the people that are buying these things are, are probably mostly governments, right? Oh yeah. Uh, and some of the, you know, ones that might not have the most, uh, uh, kind practices, sterling, sterling human citizens. rights records. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, if you're, if you're into disappearing your citizens and you want to know which ones are speaking out about your government, you want, might want to, you know, buy some of these, uh, or, you know, partner with some cybersecurity firms that don't have really the greatest track record and, uh, and then use them to, you know, uh, disappear journalists and things of that nature. And this is actually the world we live in. So maybe if you are, you know, a journalist that's covering a uh, uh, less than uh, friendly government. Yeah. Uh, disable your Bluetooth and your Wi-Fi and take all those kinds of precautions that the vice president's taking. But, you know, if you're walking your dog, listening to your AirPods right now, you're fine. Is there like an element of like ethics amongst some of the like uh, uh, InfoSec community of like, hey, can like now let's understand that the that the paydays sure are sweet for 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 selling these 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 zero days but there's a lot of ways to make money in infosec uh uh is is there is there like an element of of honor amongst thieves you know metaphorically speaking yeah the the two big camps when it comes to like a security researcher discovering something is uh the, the two most common paths is you go with what's called responsible disclosure or you can go with what's called full disclosure. Responsible disclosure is like, 
I'll give you an example. You know, a couple of security researchers years ago discovered that there was a vulnerability in the way that uh, Jeep automobiles um, with their OnStar systems and their, their infotainment systems and all of that jazz operated. And they were able to remotely take control of the vehicle and do things like cut off the engine and, and uh, control the AC and the stereo and the powers, uh, the, you know, windshield wipers and the brake lights and everything else, you know, everything that was connected to the CAN bus of this car. Yeah. And so that would uh, be deadly, right? Like, like yeah. if, if, if deployed at the wrong time, this is a deadly exploit. Absolutely. And so, uh, the responsible disclosure mechanism method is where you go to the manufacturer in this case, you know, Jeep and you say like, Hey, um, y'all's cars are totes busted. Can y'all fix that? And also like, we wouldn't mind money. Cause you know, we found stuff, but also like, please just fix this because, you know, maybe my grandma drives one of these. Right. Yeah. So they did that and no response, no response, or just like uh, legal threats. Like if you tell anyone, we'll sue the pants off you. Right. So that seems like a bad idea. That seems seems like like a bad, a bad thing to do from Jeep's perspective. Yes. So then enter the second opportunity, the second path that you have to disclose, which is full disclosure. In this case, the security researcher is being ignored by the uh, auto manufacturer. It goes, all right, well, if you're not going to you know, take us seriously, I guess we'll just call our friends over at Wired Magazine and let them know. And then yeah. do a little awesome piece that gets tons of views because people go, oh my God, now everyone knows. And now you're shamed as a company into fixing it. And you have to scurry to fix it rather than if you had listened to the security researchers when they took the responsible route, you could say, okay, okay, give us six months. Don't mention it to anybody. We'll, we'll put out patches and then you can go and give your talk at Black Hat or DEF CON and, and, and get your 15 minutes of fame, uh, uh, but give us a chance to respond to this. So those are the typical paths. I would guess that the second path at the very least gets you more clout. Right. Oh, well, I mean, it it can be done in various different ways. You can still get clout, you know, uh, by, you know, saying like, okay, this exists, but we let the vendor know six months ago and they've patched it. And so if you're still running an old version, maybe you want to go and patch it. So you can, you can, you can do both. But I guess that, that to me, if I'm thinking of this from the human perspective, I would want to maximize the clout for anybody that is not like cashing a gigantic Bitcoin paycheck from some shady nation state uh, uh, for, for, for putting these in, in the hands of, uh, of, you know, somebody that might, you know, kill a journalist or something like that. Totally. And it really also depends on what the vulnerability is in. Like if it's in a particular product, then you've got a single point to contact and say like, you know, Hey, uh, XYZ company, y'all need to fix this. Uh, or there's an opportunity to get a reward if they have a bug bounty program, then you've got things like log 4 J, which we saw recently where it's just a piece of open source, uh, code. That's a library used in a ton of other products. So who do you go to? And, uh, there's not really, uh, I mean, a, the responsible disclosure ends up becoming a full disclosure situation where yeah. now everybody needs to scurry and fix things. So, so the, the, the fastest way that you could responsibly tell everybody is just to yell it out loud and be like, OK, let me just 
Hopefully, I'm not going to do this on a holiday, so I'm not ruining everybody, every uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, sysadmin's entire weekend or any kind of technological any seat every CTO's weekend by saying you need to fix this thing immediately. But but that's that's the hope. Yeah, yeah. Microsoft did it right with their Patch Tuesday. Like, come on, let's let's we got to get through Monday. Oh boy, but like, give us enough time to like you know put out the fire that this next patch is going to destroy. Yeah. All right. So Kamala is uh, uh, right, especially considering the, the the high profile target that she is to use wired headphones. She should probably also not use a cell phone. Uh, <laughs> uh, people in general should not be too paranoid because these kinds of exploits that would affect something like, you know, Bluetooth headphones are very, very, very valuable and probably not going to be used unless indeed you are a higher value target than Kamala Harris. And if you discover a zero day, be we here at the PX3 uh, uh, podcast eh, implore you to maybe not be complicit with some of the uh, uh, super shady people that will buy them on the black market. Is that, is that a good sum up? I love that sum up totes. And if we're going to get cybersecurity awareness this way, that so be it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Darren, where can people find you? Hack five, H A K the number five, where we make hacking products and podcasts. And so go and check and it out. TikToks, if you're into hacking, right? Right. Hmm? You're on TikTok yeah. now. I'm on the, on the, I'm on the talks. I'm on the Insta on the, yeah. on the internet. Yeah. Hack five gear on TikTok. You're doing little videos. I think it's, yep. I think it's, uh, man, you're going to be, uh, it's funny when I was looking for your account, I, I just saw all the other people that are talking about hack five stuff. And like, you've got, you've got a buzz. You've got a brand on, on, on TikTok. <laughs> you're going to be doing crazy dances uh, uh, any minute now. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. We've got a payload for the bash bunny that can, uh, uh, that's one of our devices that's got Bluetooth built in that can, um, you know, send out alerts and do other stuff when certain Bluetooth devices come within its vicinity. So, you know, if you want to get, uh, if you want your computer to do something, you know, when your spouse comes home, because you know, they've got their AirPods in their bag. There you go. There's a payload for you. There we go. That's not <laughs> I didn't creepy. Come on here to sell stuff. That's by the not way. creepy. Just, you know, it yeah. just seems appropriate. Just in time for Valentine's Day, you can just <laughs> make sure that your printer uh, goes off and your smart lights flash on and off as soon as your significant <laughs> other walks in the door because you've got the bash, buddy. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Enjoy Austin. You too. And that will wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. The show was edited and partly researched by Brett Stewart. If you would like to thank Darren Kitchen for taking time out of his day to come and talk to us all about Bluetooth and the hackability of everything, well, just head on over to px3guest.com. You can send me an email, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter at px3tweets. On Twitch, uh, we are at px3live. And whenever I got something that I really got to write to you, you're going to get it at px3newsletter.com. Share the podcast with your friends, family member, and clergy at px3podcast.com and get all of your politics merch at politicsmerch.com. Shirts, mugs, everything in between involving the iconography and slogans of this show. 
If you would like to give me a one-time donation, you can do so at paypal.me slash payjury. Our Venmo is justin-young-20. Our cash app is px3cash. Of course, you can always send me anything physical that you would like in the mail to P.O. Box 1531 Austin, Texas 78715. Again, P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas 78715. There's only one place you can get our bonus content, though, and that is at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 here gets you two bonus episodes a week covering all the news that we miss on our free schedule and of course the ten dollar tier gets you all that plus your name read at the end of the program including everybody you're about to hear in the titanic ten dollar tier Idris Arslandian, DJ Katie Mack, Meister, Dr. G, Lord Scale, Dakin Sayanele, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Blurbus, Unum, Pete Spicery, TV Salesman, or Spy. Do you really invoke Gloria Young for King of the New World Orders? Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention of the podcast, please. Dot com, Junkie, DP, Fort Bongo, Jewish Lives Matter, 100 Mile Runner, Staff Sergeant Poopers, Diana Scathing Scowls, Double K Ranch, Yield Pinball Shop, John, Snuffy's Off Route 44, Super Zoomy, Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Richard, D Laser, Just Another Pilot, Middle Age Mike, The Gen, J Pink, and Andrew. You want your name read just like their name was read. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Join at that $10 level. So I've been doing some pre-work here on interviews. And so we're going to be swimming in them for a little bit. I'm going to know what's coming up. So next week, we are going to get an interview about inflation and unemployment. Uh, what is the relationship between the two? Basically, I, I have no idea how we are seeing low jobs numbers and high inflation and yet microscopic imp- uh, unemployment numbers. We're at like 3.9%, which for any other president, if, if they had 3.9% uninflation, or sorry, at 3.9% unemployment, that would be like pop the champagne you are safe on the issue that people care about the most, the economy. But we still have hiring shortages. We have weak hiring numbers. So I don't know. I'm going to have to call in an expert on that. We are also going to uh, speak with Robbie Suave. He is uh, the co-host of the Hills Rising program. And the author of a book about tech hysteria that I kind of agree with. And so we're going to talk about tech hysteria. We're going to talk about whether or not the Internet is is really the worst thing that's ever happened and, and freedoms are eroding all around us. Or if he agrees with me that the worst and best thing about the Internet is that humans run it. Till next time, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics and still more.
discuss politics. But this, this is the only program that dares discuss. Oh. Dog and Pony Show Audio.